to this special podcast edition dedicated to Carmignac's flagship fund, Patrimoine. I'm Valentina Romeo, and today we're joined by Axel Pignon, Equity Product Specialist Manager at Carmignac. And we're going to talk about the equity thematic strategy of Patrimoine, and in particular, how the team selects the winning companies of today and tomorrow. Thanks, Axel, for joining us today. Thank you. Hello. Hi. Um, Axel, to, to begin with, um, I really liked this quote from uh, the CEO of Shopify, uh, who said that 2030 has been pulled forward to 2020. Uh, and it made me think, you know, is, is, is that what Carmignac is thinking when he selects company, you know, like looking at futures winners? What, what's the thinking? Is that, do you think you, you agree with the statement? Yeah, uh, so, no, it's a very interesting thematic and I think it's, uh, it's a very good illustration of what has been this crisis for tech company and disruptive company because what we have seen is really an acceleration of all the trends that we were witnessing for four years, uh, either in e-commerce or in digitalization. Um, for instance, uh, in, uh, in e-commerce, we really have seen a spike uh, into uh, what has been happening for years. Uh, it took 10 years uh, approximately for e-commerce to go to 6% to 16% of total retail sales in the US. But only in eight weeks, we went from 16% to 27%. So it has been a huge move. And of course, our view is that the situation will normalize a bit going forward as brick and mortar stores will reopen. And so we may see uh, some give back of this trend. But in our view, the experience, for instance, in e-commerce is so much better for the consumer that we will never return to the level before this crisis. And we have seen the same trend in terms of digitalization, a lot of brick and mortar stores that are push to go online because they have to, re to respect so much restriction in, in the shops that it's easier to go directly online. So we definitely agree on that and it has been a strong confirmation of all our investment thematics that we have been uh, investing for years. Just going back to, to, to the fund obviously is, is, is the focus of our chat today. Um, Patrimoine captures a, a handful of secular themes in, in the equity allocation. And again, from, from e-commerce to themes like demographics. But something that we, we always kind of ask um, is how to recognize a long-term winning theme uh, in, in investing from, from just fads, you know, from kind of short-term, um, you know, kind of uh, themes. How, how do you go about that? Of course, first, we think about our global framework, which is more a top-down framework, I will say. Uh, and this framework is that we are in a world where growth is scarcer and scarcer. Today, only 15% of the company of the S&P are able to grow above 15% over five years. And it was 45% in 2001. So we are facing an environment where we need to find definitely companies that are able to grow under their own steam, that are able to provide for investor secular growth. So first, all the winning thematics that we identify are thematics that have a huge concentration of these secular growth stocks. And then in terms of thematic investing, we really believe that the ability to understand and to identify the disruptive trends 
uh, today the key to create successful long-term investment strategy. And it is exactly what we are looking for in a, in, in a fund like Patrimoine. Because our observation is that we have a strong potential upside when there is a fundamental shift, either driven by the supply or by the demand side, or a shift that is linked to a technological change. So we identify these trends that tend to have universal pattern and could be easily, easily translated into different regions or businesses. And maybe to be more concrete, one great example is definitely Amazon. We have been looking at Amazon for years and we have been investing in Amazon uh, since 2015, I think, uh, in, the fund, in Patrimoine. But what we have done is really looking at the Amazon at, as an investment case, as a business case, meaning understanding the business model of the company, the development, and understanding why so many competitors have failed to compete with Amazon. And then our job has been to find similar patterns across the world to benefit from the global approach of patrimoine. And so investing in similar companies. And so that's why we have been investing in Mercado Libre since 2014. So Mercado Libre is a leading e-commerce actor in Latin America. We have been doing the same more recently with Sea Limited in Southeast Asia. So a new e-commerce actor there. And what is very interesting between Amazon, Mercado Libre, and Sea Limited is that they have the same magic recipe, maybe, but mm -hmm. also that the e-commerce is only one part of the business. Definitely, we all know that Amazon has a cloud. Mercado Libre is 50% and most of the value is done in digital payments, which is also a thematic that we are following very, very closely. And for C Limited, it's video games. And once again, it's also another thematic that we really like. So there are a concentration of both of two thematics each time that we really like. Uh, but of course, what we are trying to do is that usually in this kind of thematic, we, are, we have a crowding effect and a continuated outperformance. So it's justified for us to be very active in our management and to be very rigorous in terms of risk management for profit taking and sizing. Hmm. And has there always been sort of the strategy for, for patrimony? You know, obviously we, we know it's a, um, you know, such a long track record. Was the focus on, on themes more of a, of a recent uh, kind of move? And also like you, you introduced a bit of, you know, the way you look at themes, but what's the exact, you know, pro, like process when you when you select themes what exactly you look at you know evaluations or just um market cap and specifically like how um how do you select them what's the process no it's definitely not new it has been 30 years since uh Carmiac patrimoine invest in long-term investment thematic it has been and it will remain a defining feature for global management, uh, for global equity management at Carignac. The first one was emerging market and it's, uh, it's uh, a defini defining uh, investment thematic since 1989. Uh, and first, when we initially invested in the emerging market, which was really, we were pioneer in doing that, its yeah. objective was really to benefit from rising living standard there, growing middle class and changing consumer habits. Uh, then, uh, after the EM thematic, we have been also uh, very invested in the, in the commodity thematic, which is today completely uh, 
no more the case because the world has changed. And so we have been adapting our strategy uh, to focus on disruptive trends. It's something that we have been looking for, I think, more than 10 years now. And it was a strong conviction of Edouard Carmignac uh, at first that finding innovation, disruptive companies that in everything linked to tech was and will be the key uh, defining thematic for patrimoine. So it was his objective to hire someone that specialized on that, and it was David Older. So he hired David Older from New York that was a, a fund manager there specialized in tech because he thinks that hedge having- He was hedge fund, no? Yeah, he was, he was a hedge fund manager uh, specialized in tech in New York. And so mm. he knows very well all the Silicon Valley companies there. Uh, and he came so in uh, 2015 and he brought his own investment style. And then he take over the management of Carmiac Patrimoine with Rose Waba uh, one year and a half ago. And so what he is deciding is definitely to keep this long-term thematic investment philosophy unchanged for Patrimoine. But his main difference that he has brought is that he's generating value primarily through a bottom-up approach rather than top-down, which was more the historic pattern for this equity stock selection. And his stock selection really aims to identify superior business model and opportunities by always focusing on formulating variant view from the consensus. And to develop this divergent view from the consensus, what he has been developing is what we call proprietary research. So by proprietary research, what we mean is that first, of course, we are doing a lot of company meeting, uh, meeting the management, et cetera. And for this, having the equity team based in London is definitely an advantage because we can have all the top management of even the big tech company like Google, Facebook, et cetera, directly coming to our office in London. But we also uh, try to develop proprietary research, not only by understanding the company we invest in, but also by looking across the value chain. So doing some interviews with the competitors, with the suppliers, with the clients, to be sure that we understand fully the, the environment uh, in which the company is evolving. And then we also do, do a lot of survey work and big data analysis that can be very useful for, for better understanding uh, all our company and especially the one in the consumer sector. Yeah, big data is now playing such a big role in Yeah, we have great, but, but even easy example, looking at Google Trends is very, uh, uh, is very uh, important when you invest in, for instance, in company, uh, to just look at how many people are looking at your company on a daily basis and see if the competition pattern is changing or not. And you were mentioning the criteria that we are looking for, and there are several of them. Uh, but the first one, I think, is that we are only looking for companies that have a large and wide addressable market. Mm. Uh, when we think, for instance, for Apple, if 10 years ago, their addressable market was very selective when they launched the iPhone. And now they have a huge one, and they are just expanding it year after year. And it's exactly the pattern that we are looking for. But also what we are looking is for underpenetrated market, underpenetrated market in terms of business. So that's what we are looking for, for instance, in, in e-commerce. What I was saying, mentioning at the beginning that finally the penetration is increasing a lot in terms of e-commerce, but it was still very underpenetrated uh, before the COVID crisis, I will say, but also underpenetrated 
pattern in terms of geography. And uh, especially in emerging markets, we find a lot of these patterns that we like. And then we look uh, for companies that have high barrier to entry and good visibility on future earnings, because linking to what I was saying at the beginning, we are looking for these kind of companies that have that are able to provide this particular growth pattern. Yeah, so we said e-commerce clearly is a big call from you. What, what other themes at the moment you, you, you kind of um, concentrate, focusing on in the, the current equity allo allocation? Yeah, so we have uh, four big thematic in our fund currently. Uh, mm -hmm. So the first one is linked to e-commerce, but everything linked to the connected consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, today, we think that really the the consumer, what has changed is that they have the knowledge, they have the choice, and they have high expectations in the brand that they choose. And the first consequence of that for investors is that we are really seeing uh, the emergence of a winner-takes-all dynamic, where we have the dominant players that are able to capture a very large share of the reward. Uh, and it's due to their, of course, first mover position and also their ability to build powerful network that are leaving the competitors with very little. So as an investor, we have a really um, a big issue on a big, uh, a big challenge in choosing the right stock in this very disruptive uh, universe. So that's why we, we tend to focus on what we call the leading hyperscale online aggregators, meaning the Amazon, the JD.com, the Mercado Libre and C-Limited that uh, I was mentioning because they are really dominating uh, the entire path to purchase uh, of the consumer. The second big thematic we invest in is digitalization. Uh, and what we were, I were mentioning it in terms of the things that this crisis has been accelerating and definitely the digitalization of everything has been hugely accelerated with this crisis. And within this digitalization thematic, what we are looking is data, because today data is definitely the source of power for company. So the one that the companies that are able to gather, to analyze, and to utilize data to grow their business will be definitely the winner of tomorrow. Yeah, I've, I've seen a quote recently, or maybe I'm just late <laughs> you know that they always say data is the new oil exactly no, but it's actually data is water it's not oil it's water it's, it's even water it's even more important and it's exactly that and but the issue with that is that we are seeing a lot of questions that are raised on data due to the regulatory the legal the fiscal thing so in terms of risk management it's also very important and it can create some volatility and we have seen in, for instance, for Facebook and Google, it has been a, a bit of uh, creating a bit of volatility. But overall, uh, we think that the long-term growth potential for data remains the same. And one great example is definitely data for advertising. When we look at Facebook and Google that are today completely dominating uh, the digital advertising market, we have these two companies that are able to attract more than 80% of the global spending on digital in the advertising. So that's huge because simply we have a pattern that we have a win-win situation for both consumer and advertiser. For consumer, it's better because you have uh, advertising that is directly aimed for you. So you are much more, uh, you think that it's less more intrusive you are much more attracted by this um, advertising 
And for advertisers, the return on investment is much higher. So we have this win-win situation that has led to something that was pretty unusual, is the resiliency of, this, uh, of Facebook and Google during the crisis. Ahead of the, of the quarterly results, everyone was very worried about Facebook and Google and the fact that they were suffering from the decline in, uh, in advertising spending. But it has been all the contrary. They have been surprising on the upside. So we have really, we are really seeing that we have a change of pattern in that where advertising tends to be very cyclical in the past. And now with this duopoly, uh, we see more and more resiliency. Mm. Um, the, the, within digitalization, something else that is really interesting for us, it's everything linked to digital payments. And it's definitely a direct consequence of what we have seen uh, in e-commerce. Uh, because digital payments is benefiting from e-commerce, from the change in consumer habits, and now for sanitary reasons, because digital payments is more and more used in order to limit physical contact. And in this era, we really think that um, this digitalization of payment is really more benefiting to specialized players rather than traditional bank. So when you look at the financial exposure in our fund, it's really geared towards these fintechs that are highly active in the payment side rather than in the traditional big bank where uh, we see much more structural issues. And it's also something that we, we like to play around the world. I was mentioning uh, Mercado Libre uh, before in e-commerce, but half of the value is Mercado Pago, which is the payment platform of Mercado Libre. The third thematics uh, where we invest is the what we call the polarization of consumer spending. Uh, the consumer sector uh, is definitely revolutionized, and I was mentioning it, by the appearance of the hyperscale online aggregator. And the first consequence of that is today that we have a polarized retail landscape between first the premium brands and then the value end market. So we really have today a winner-loser uh, setup in the consumer sector. So in terms of stock speaking, it has huge consequences. And so in our portfolio, we only invest either in this premium company, so namely most of the luxury company in Europe, and on the more value end market. And we absolutely avoid the middle one that is direct competitors of these online aggregators. And the last thematic that we invest is healthcare. First, because healthcare is not only defensive, we all know that, but it's also a strong growth profile because it's, uh, it's supported by strong underlying trend. Uh, the fact that the world is getting older, is getting richer. And unfortunately, we have some diseases like diabetes that is linked to the fact that the world is becoming richer. Uh, but the, besides, in addition to this um, underlying trend, the sector, the healthcare sector is also significantly driven by innovation. So in the healthcare, we definitely find our, our DNA, which is secular growth, innovation, and disruption. So that's the four thematic uh, in which we invest today. Great. Just before we, we kind of look at the more um, recent events, and we already obviously mentioned um, the, the health crisis and that how that kind of impacted, uh, you know, themes and created new ones. Uh, just looking back maybe the, the last five years, just to see what themes have like given you the most profit, so the most profitable for you for the fund over the past few years? 
definitely e-commerce once again uh, for years. Uh, what we are looking now in e-commerce is the shift in grocery shopping, which was very late uh, until now. And once again, we have seen an acceleration on that. So Amazon is definitely a big player in that. But we are looking for smaller competitors or niche market in this grocery uh, shopping trend. Uh, and uh, besides this e-commerce, definitely healthcare. Uh, healthcare was a good decision in terms of sector allocation, but also in terms of stock selection, uh, it has been very helpful for the fund. What we do in healthcare is that we have a very strict investment policy uh, by excluding all the company uh, whose growth is driven by prices. Because today we all know that drug prices are under pressure, especially in the US and with the election coming, it's even more important to focus only on companies that are not relying on, on the, an increase of drugs prices. Uh, and in healthcare, we have a very diversified exposure uh, between the pharma, the biotech, the medtech, and all the services company with managed care, um, in, uh, in, with investment in managed care company in the US. But we also have a very diversified exposure in terms of geography because our investment are split between the US, Europe, and China. Uh, and China is because today uh, healthcare remains underpenetrated. And once again, underpenetration is one of our key criteria. Uh, today, when you look at China, healthcare expenditure and percentage of the GDP are around 6% compared to 11% for France and 80% for the US. Uh, so it's still underpenetrated, even if uh, it's true that during the, the last year, we have seen a huge improvement. As today, for instance, uh, around 95% uh, of the Chinese population is now covered by your basic healthcare insurance, compared to 3% uh, in 2000. So we have seen huge investment in terms of healthcare in China, and we definitely uh, think that it will keep uh, on going uh, by the Chinese authorities. So it has been um, a key thematic for us that has been the winning one and uh, and we remain strongly convinced uh, on that so obviously with the, with the pandemic i guess they they have no yeah. choice than... exactly it's not the time to cut the, the investment in healthcare around the world definitely so what else is the, the pandemic kind of um changed you know in terms of themes or kind of make you rethink on certain themes or, or like anything else that you are looking at now as a potential uh, you know, new winners for, for, for the future and any new trends that might just uh, happen? Like I was saying at the beginning, we have a confirmation in all the trends that we have been investing for years. Uh, but on the more, I will say, medium term basis, uh, basis, what we have been looking, uh, and it was already back in April now, is that we were looking for quality names that have more um, cyclical characteristics. So the ones that will be able to rebound quickly uh, when we will see the end of the turn, uh, the, the end of the lockdown and growth uh, peaking again. Because all these companies that have been doing very well during the pandemic um, had the risk to just lag a bit when we'll have the cyclical rebound. So we have been taking profit on the e-commerce side and reinforcing names um, in the travel segment. 
uh, in the travel, what has been doing the team is looking at specific parts of the value chain that will be less structurally impacted by this crisis. So the ones that are the most impacted is definitely airlines. So we are completely out of this segment because we think yeah. that the structural issue are just reinforced by this crisis. But what we can see is some companies that at the end have very flexible business models that have low capital intensity and that has been suffering a lot by the, this complete um, stop of the activity, but could be rebound, uh, could rebound very, uh, very sharply. Uh, and some of them are, uh, for instance, Amadeus, which is a Spanish company that provides tech uh, behind the airline flight booking. So they, their job is really to manage the transaction between the customer and about 400% of the world airline. So, so they will directly be linked. Yeah, there's a kind of infrastructure around. Exactly. Yeah. And what is interesting is we were mentioning that as a new oil or water is that Amadeus gather, is able to gather all the data around these customers uh, for the 400 airlines. So they have a broad view of how the con consumer are just buying uh, their flight tickets and they're able to sell them directly to, to the airline company in order to, to improve their, their marketing and the way they are doing business. Um, we have been in the same thematic, just reinforcing our, um, our, our position in booking, because once again, in booking, we find all the criteria that we like, the fact that there is a large and growing addressable market, uh, because when you look at the penetration of online booking in terms of hotel, it's still very lagging the one in airline. In airline, you have around 90% of uh, penetration uh, in terms of, of online booking. And in hotel, it's much, much less. And we have the first mover advantage for a company like booking. So they have been able to just put some strong buyer to entry. So exactly the kind of criteria that we like in this term of investment. So overall, this crisis has been just confirming our long-term view. So that's very positive. And uh, we have tried to benefit from uh, attractive entry point to just re-expose the portfolio to some trends that have been suffering a lot. Well, thank you very much, Axel, for your time today. You're welcome, thank you.